Blog Talk Radio. Him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. 
And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide, hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah had said, it, said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, healed them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of them. Now last week we focused on verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed them. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now our text. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come alive into the world. That whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. <coughs> he, that, he that rejected me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. <coughs> for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say, what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you might speak to us from your word. Father, we pray the Lord that you might deal with the hearts of those Father, deal with our hearts here at the church. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would work in us. Holy Spirit of God, have your sway over us. Move upon us. Draw us. And draw us near to Christ. Lord, draw those that are lost, that are, Lord, that are, that are ready to perish, as the Bible says, that are ready to be in flames of hell. Lord, I pray today be the day of salvation. I pray today be the day that they realize that their way is is a one-way ticket to eternal damnation and eternal suffering. Father, I realize that, that they would come to know through the Spirit of God revealing it to them the grace and mercy that's available, the forgiveness of sins that's available through belief and trust in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, you help me now. 
I want to say so much, and Lord, I know the time is short, so Father, I pray you guide my words and thoughts. Speak through me now. I ask please for Christ's sake. Amen. All right. Uh, the title of this message today is about our word. And the reason I, and I read my title of that is again, this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. The end. The final word where he says that's it. From this point on, once he finishes here in chapter 12, this is the last time he will address the public. Everything he says beyond that is said to his disciples. There's no more public ministry. So this is important stuff. You know, the final words of me have been something that fascinates a lot of people. And uh, if I can find it here real quickly, I want to I want to share just a, a little bit. Um, I just I, I'm, I have a book somewhere in my library called the famous words of saints, famous last words of saints and sinners. And um, I have here just a few, and I want to read you some of the last words of sinners. There was. Uh, he, there was a man that lived between the years of 1694 and 1778. He was from France. His name was Voltaire. He was one of the most famous atheists that ever lived. But when he was dying, here's what he said. He said, I am abandoned by God and man. He's talking to his doctor. He said, I will give you half of what I am worth if you will give me six months' life. And his doctor said that it could not be done. He cried out, then I shall die and go to hell. That's his last words. And I shall die and go to hell. He preached his whole life that there was no hell. He preached his whole life that there was no that there was no God to fear. Robert Ingersoll, who I've told many occasions, was a watchmaker who defied God and dared God on his, his speaking tour. Every time he got a chance before an audience, he dared God to strike him dead. Robert Ingersoll, as he was laying and dying, he said, Oh, God, if there be a God, save my soul if I have a soul. I fear it was too late for Robert Ingersoll. He didn't really believe. It was a half-hearted request. You know, there's no hope for a lost man. None whatsoever. That's all there is. Every time the gospel is preached, he throws it aside, there'll be no hope for that man. And I say that because, again, there's an end. There's a last day. There's a last opportunity. There's a last hearing of the truth. And there'll be no more. And all beyond that, it's hopeless. This was Christ's last attempt to give the gospel to those Jews who stood in his in his ear. Last words are powerful. They mean something. Last words leave an impression. And again, these are his final words. I want you to realize, and I know you do. But I want to say it again. These people, for the last three and a half years, have seen the miracles of Christ. It's not like he did them in secret. 
get them right up close where they can see them. They've witnessed the healings that he performed. They've seen him raise the dead. I mean, he raised the dead. He brought them back to life, and they saw him do it. They witnessed it. They saw the joy of a mother when her son came up off of that, that funeral beer, whatever they call it, and they take him out to the, to the grave in uh, They saw him get up his cold, stiff body, open his eyes, and life up back to his limbs, and stand up and hug his mother. They saw that with their own eyes. They witnessed Lazarus walking around and talking to people after he had been dead. They saw that the lepers had been close. Those that they had heard cry unclean, unclean, and, and had putrefied sword. Now they see them walking around with, with clean flesh and, and, and restored, their health restored. They saw the blind. We talked about last week, the blind man. Whose mother, uh, whose mother and father said, you know, ask him, ask him. He was born blind. Ask him. He tell you. He's grown up. He's of age. They didn't want to get put out of synagogue either. Just like these chief rulers and priests didn't want to get put out of synagogue. But no, they saw it. They saw that it was real. They knew this man was birth. He'd been born. He'd been born blind. They saw that the deaf could hear. Jesus healed the deaf. They heard the dumb who've never been able to speak before speak the praise of God. They saw the devil possessed, now acting godly and sane and in their right mind and serving God. And they heard his word. They had read the book. They knew what the Bible said. They knew the prophecies concerning the Messiah. They knew them all. They were a very religious people. They knew them all. And they knew in their minds that it was true. And yet they still rejected it as the Messiah. Now, I want us to turn our attention to the scripture this morning. I'm going to try not to be too long today. But I want us to look. Verse 44, I want us to notice what it says here. We'll read verse 44 and 45. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. First thing I want you to see is this again. These men, these women, these boys, these girls that he's speaking to, again, they, they know with their mind that he has to be. Because he's done everything that needs to be done to prove he's the Messiah, yet they will not believe on him. He did not come the way they expected him to come. He did not do the things that they expected him to do. You see, it wasn't that he didn't fulfill the scripture, because he fulfilled the scripture, but in their own perception of how they expected him to come, he did not come that way because they did not expect him to come and die. They expected him to come and conquer. And when he did not come and conquer, they rejected him. And even though they rejected him, even though they loved this world more than they loved him, even, even though, listen, they chose the world. They chose the, 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 the popularity. They chose the position. They chose the money. They chose their greed. They chose whatever. But they chose that over him. And even though they did, he still, notice what Jesus said there. 
It was an emphatic cry. It was a hurried cry. He didn't just say it in a monotone voice. No, he, he raised up his voice and he cried out. And he said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. What is Christ saying? Christ is saying, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Amen, as he said in John chapter 10. Most unbelievers don't have a concept of what that truly means. We understand that Christ is God. We understand that the Father is God. We understand that the Holy Spirit is God. They're not three separate gods. They're the same God. They're one and all. Three and one. One and three. Three and one. We understand that even though our minds keep wrapped around that by faith, by the eye of faith we can see it and we understand it, but yet we can't put it in, in intelligible words here on earth to describe it to someone. The Spirit of God has to reveal that to you. You can't see that for yourself with your own eyes. Yes, you can read the verses, but you can't see it unless you're one of his. But God sent his son, and his son inhabited a body just like you and I, a body of flesh. He put on the robe of flesh for you and I. But these people, even though he was the son of God, walking in a robe of flesh, they loved this world more than they wanted him. And again, like I said, they chose this world. They chose the things of this world over him. They spit in God's face. And literally, some would, in, days, in just a couple days, they would literally spit in the face of God. And I want to say to you this morning, you may not like to hear it. I don't care if you like to hear it or not. I don't like to think it. But you and I spit in God's face when we turn and do what we want to in opposition to this truth. We choose whatever we choose over him. We choose our own fleshly desires. We choose our own worldly opinions. We choose the fear pressure from other people. We choose society's pressure. We choose whatever the allure of things and money and, and, and prestige and, and position. We choose all these things and we spit in God's face because that's not what God would have us do. That's not what God wants for us. And we choose that over him. I know that's hard to hear. But it's the truth. And even though, even though, God still had mercy. Mind blowing, God had mercy to those that would spit in his face. But yeah, he does. Christ cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And when we as believers, and I'm speaking to believers now, when we as believers, choose to do what we want to do and live our lives how we want to live it and God is just an afterthought. We're spitting in his face. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We ought to repent before God and we ought to ask for mercy. <clears throat> Yet Christ here is pleased with believe in spite of all that. He's pleading for them. He could, he, and he would be just and he would be right knowing who they are and knowing how they feel to just destroy them right there on the cross. Nobody could say a word against him if he did, but that's not who he is. He's pleading for them. He's got pleading for them. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians with me. 
Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> Again, even though, even though we have mistreated him, even though the world has turned its back on him, even though he still pleads for salvation. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Paul said this. The love of Christ is our motivating factor. The love of Christ is what presses us on because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth. Listen to this that they which live or have eternal life, have everlasting life in him, should not henceforth, from this point forward, live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. In other words, our lives are not ours. He bought them. Wherefore, henceforth, from this point forward, know we no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What are you talking about? He's saying, you know, we, we're not in our flesh. We're not to live in our flesh. We're not to live like our flesh. We're not to live after our flesh. We're to live in Christ. We're to be representatives of Christ. We're not to be like we used to be. We're not to go back to the things we used to do and revel in them and love them. No, we're to do things a, a different way now because we're in him. And he says it in 17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, dead and gone. That's what it means. Behold, all things are become new. There's new life there. It's not the same as it used to be. There's newness. There's a new life that God puts there when, when he moves in. God lives in me. If you are saved today, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, if your sins have been forgiven, you are new and God has moved in. You wouldn't have life if he weren't in you. Because there's nothing from us that's any good. God put life in us. We were dead before in trespasses and sins. Now we have life through him. And it's his life to live, not ours anymore. Amen? And he said, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. God, in Christ, made the bridge. God, in Christ, paid the debt. God, in Christ, made it possible for us to come to him with no separation at all. He has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us, listen to this, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God came to me, showed me I was lost, drew me to himself, and showed me salvation and gave it to me. He said that you and I, those of us who've been in Christ, who've been washing his blood, have been given that same ministry. No, I can't draw anybody to salvation. No, I can't save anybody. But I can pray for them that God would draw them to salvation. I can ask God who lives in me to work on their heart and draw them and show them and reveal to them as 
my job then to show them that they need to be obedient to the Lord and follow them and believe your baptism. It's in my job to instruct them that they're to read the Bible and pray and have a walk with God and, and disciple them in the Word and encourage them along the way. That's our job. Again, we're finishing up what we're reading here. We're not even done with this. Amen? He said to wit or to understand or to know, verse 19, that God was in Christ. Notice that God was in Christ. Reconciling the word unto the world. I'm sorry, let me read that again. To wit or to understand that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God, listen to me. God left heaven. God the Son left heaven, came to earth, inhabited a body for the ministry of reconciliation. God, when we get saved, moves and puts his person in us. Why? For the ministry of reconciliation. That's how we can be Christ like. Wow. 
child of God. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Yes, Christ bore our sin. He carried our sin to the cross. He died for our sin. He that was innocent, pure, righteous, who knew no sin. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He only sees his own righteousness in Christ because of Christ's righteousness. Hey, that's good. I don't care who you are. That's good right there. Colossians 127, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's all the hope I have is that Christ lives in me. Now look at verse 46 right there. <coughs> Verse 46. He said, I am come a life into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Bible tells us that in John chapter 1. The light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends not, which means the darkness couldn't stop it. You can go into an airplane hangar up the whole space shuttle and have all the windows shut and the doors shut and it'd be as black as black can be. You stand in the middle of it and you can light a match and there your darkness can't put your match out. Even though you're surrounded by it. You stand in the darkest part of the darkest forest, in the darkest jungle, and strike one match or light one lighter or, or, or light a small fire, and suddenly there's light. Nothing can put out the light. Amen? Jesus Christ is the light. The Bible says so. He says, I, he proclaims it, I am. I am come a light into the world. That whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. The Bible says, and if the light is in me be darkness, how great is that darkness? It's everywhere without Christ. If we don't have Christ at the forefront of our life, we are in darkness. If we take our eyes off of him, we are walking in darkness and don't know what we're doing. And we're going to cause ourselves more headache and heartache than we ever imagined. Jesus is the way out. He is the only way through. He's the only way we can see where it's going. Turn over to First John. Over close to Revelation. Turn over there quickly. I'll try to move fast. You try to move fast with me. First John chapter one, verse five, and following. The Bible says, "This then is the message which we've heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." You see that? You see those people over there in the Oriental part of the world who've got that yin yang? Well, they've got it all messed up because, see, that, 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 there's two paisley put together there. That's what they call those looking things, paisleys. And one of them is black and has a white dot in the middle, and the other is white and got a black dot in the middle. And what is that there is no evil without a little bit of good in it, and there's no good without a little bit of evil in it. And the Bible just said right here very clearly, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That that ruins every bit of that belief. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. See, to be in the light, what does that mean? Well, let's just read a little bit more. 
Verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, walk in darkness, we lie. What does that mean, preacher? That means if, if we say that, oh, yeah, I love God, God loves me, and I, 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 but you don't ever read your Bible, you don't ever go to church, you don't ever talk to God, you're lying to yourself. You say, well, I ain't read my Bible in a long time. You ain't fellowship with God in a long time. That's the only way for us to fellowship with God is to be in the light. You say, what do you mean the light? I mean enlightenment, knowledge, the Word of God, knowing who God is. That's what this whole Bible study is about, getting to know Jesus. How are you going to get to know him? You've got to spend time with him. You've got to spend time with him daily. You've got to ask him things. You've got to look for answers in him. You've got to you've got to pray. You've got to talk to God about the problems in your life and the problems in others' lives. You've got to go to him and admit your weakness and admit your failures and ask for forgiveness and ask for his power and ask for his wisdom. And you've got to search for his wisdom in the word of God. It's there. He said if we if we walk in the darkness, if we just if, if the world pulls us away like it did the Pharisees. Like it did those rulers who wouldn't confess him. The lure of money pulled them away and they walked in darkness. Even though they professed to know Christ, they couldn't walk with him publicly. They couldn't have any relationship with Christ. Nicodemus came to him at night, so nobody would know he came to him. He didn't go talk to him in the day in the marketplace. He didn't stop him in the temple and talk. No, they had to be secretive and they couldn't live a fulfilling life in Christ because they worried too much about what the world thought. They were too interested in what the world had to offer. They were living for this world and this world only. We say we have fellowship with him. We walk in, and we walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that means, I, Jesus, I want to be like you. Jesus, I want to do the things that you do. Jesus, I want to say the things that you say. Jesus, I want to have the heart that you have. Jesus, I want to have the mind that you have. When I see people, I don't want to see them and say, well, they're, they're either going to be good to me or they're going to be bad to me, and I'm going to like them based on the way they treat me. No, I can't go into every situation like that. I need to go into thinking they need Jesus. And regardless of how they treat me, I still need to care that they have Jesus. I can't live my life based on my hurt feelings. I'll never amount to anything for God. My precious little feelings are not going to matter one whit when I stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. Jesus not going to say, well, I'm sorry, I put too much on you, and that hurt your feelings. Our feelings are connected to our wicked heart and our wicked flesh. And it'll lie to us. The Bible tells us that. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Above all things, and who can know it? You think you know your own heart, you're lying to yourself already. But I can tell you this. The Bible says if we walk with him, if we walk with him, you say, where does it say this? If we walk in the light, that's to walk with him. That's to spend our time with Christ. That's not to reject him. That's not to reject him because of what men think or what men say or how men feel. That's to say, you know what? I am going to be responsible for my own life for Christ. I'm going to be responsible for my own walk with Jesus. I'm going to be responsible for what I do in this life. I am going to answer to God for it. And so because of that, no one else is going to affect how that turns out. I am going to walk with Jesus, and I'm going to be the kind of person that he wants me to be, and I'm going to love people regardless of whether or not they love me. I'm going to 
I'm going to care for people regardless about whether they care for me. I'm going to focus on him regardless if the whole world screams at me that I'm an idiot. I'm going to stop following after the things that God hates. Whatever God hates, I'm going to hate. Whatever God loves, I'm going to love. I'm going to praise God if the world curses him. I'm going to follow him if the world runs the other way. If we have fellowship, listen, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want fellowship with Christ. I want when I read my Bible to hear thoughts about Christ speak to me. When I talk to him in prayer, I want to know that my prayers go back to him. When I talk to somebody, when I when I when I'm somewhere doing something and someone comes into my my presence and, and God opens the door, God cracks the window for me to say a word or something in conversation to let them know that hey, I know Jesus and I know what He can do and I know He's the Savior and I know that He died He died for our sins and He died for you too and I want you to know Him. When God opens that window, regardless of how they respond to it, I want to know. I did what God wanted me to do. And I want, and I'll feel his presence in the midst of it. Even if I don't receive it, I know that God called me to share the gospel. It doesn't make me a failure when they don't believe. It doesn't make me a failure if they don't accept any more than Jesus. Jesus was no failure, even though he rejected him. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he's the victor of victors. And if they refuse him, it's to their own damnation. It's no slight against them. And it's no slight against you as a witness. Look at verse 47 in our text. Jesus continued and he said, If any man, and if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. Or somebody said, hmm, I thought he was judging. Jesus said, I judge you not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. You see, when he came this time, he didn't come to set up his kingdom. He came to die for sin. He didn't come to judge. Oh, he will judge. And he will be your judge. And he will be my judge. But he's not judging us here. No. You see, I want you to turn over to John 5. Turn over to the face of John 5. Jesus is not the one that condemns sin. Not there. John chapter 5, verse 45. Listen to what he says. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you. Even Moses in whom you trust. What's he saying? The law is going to that, that law is still real today in the world. The law of God, the law of Moses, is still there to convict sinners. It's not there as a plan of salvation. It's there to show us that we're lost. I, I dare say there's not a person listening to the sound of my voice that can go down that pit and say, I've never broke a single one. 
It's hard to get away from the darkness, but it's really very simple. It's very simple how to get away from the darkness. I want you to do this. I want to give you some steps on how to get away from the darkness and get into the light. Okay? Number one, you got to get into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. If you don't get into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, you're, you're very, very you're asking for trouble. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. There's a reason for that, because on their own, he knew that it would be a whole lot easier to yield the temptation if you buy yourself. But yet if they had another partner with them, an accountability partner who was there with them, who were watching each other's actions, it would be a whole lot less likely to yield the temptation. So you've got to have that. Get you. That's why people need a church. Listen, the Bible tells us to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're all walking through this life with burdens, with scars of our past sinful life, and those temptations are still there. And so we need one another to say, to rebuke one another and to, and, and to reprove one another and say, hey, we shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't be a part of that. You shouldn't want that in your life. That's part of being, that's a part of the body of Christ, is to do that. We need that. And be faithful. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to be a part of things. Be faithful. See what you can do. See how you can help. Be a part of it. Be a part of the ministry of telling other people around you that Christ died for sinners. Sing and pray and teach if you're able. Whatever God's gift, whatever gift God's given you, whatever talent God's given you, get in there and use them for God. Quit sitting on it. Quit taking your napkin and folding your talent and sticking it in the back hall closet up on the shelf and saying, I'll just leave it there. No, that's what, that's what, that's what Christ doesn't want you to do. <laughs> Again, there's that little song we learned as a child. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Because you can't shine. No, we need to get into a into a Bible believing, Bible preaching church and be a part of it. You need a community of believers around you to help you stay upright and walk. Number two, study God's word for yourself. You say, Well, I go to church and I listen to preaching and I go to Bible study and all this. Listen, that's great. You need that. Sunday school, you got it. Now, listen, all those things are great. But you need to sit down for yourself with the Word of God. And you need to read it for yourself. You need to let God have time to speak directly to your heart and minister to your spirit. You need to read it. Say, oh, I don't want to say all these big words. Leave them out. That's a lousy excuse for a ignorant person who doesn't want to read the Word of God. That's a lousy excuse. God's Word is not hard to understand. It's just hard to sit down and read because the devil doesn't want you to. Get a Bible, a King James Bible, not just any Bible. Get you a King James Bible and read God's Word for yourself. And take what you learn from your Bible study and share it with other people. Seek other people who are older in the Word, who have been in the Word longer, to help you as you study the Word. Ask questions of people who have been in the Word a lot longer than you. Try to get some help there. Listen, get to 
Get other people around you to help you grow in the Word, and then when you grow, help others to grow in the Word. Seek the salvation of the lost around you. Take them to church with you. Number three, pray daily for strength. Pray, God, give me strength to walk. Give me strength in the face of opposition. Give me strength when the devil comes against me. Give me strength in the hour of temptation, Lord. Give me strength to step out my faith and go further than I've ever gone before. Lord, I pray for my family, for them to know you. For them to know you, Lord, in a, in a, in a powerful relationship with you. Lord, I pray for my friends to do that. And, Lord, I pray for my enemies. That's a part of it, too. You know why they're enemies? Because they don't know Jesus. If you are a child of God, the only reason they're because they don't know your Savior. Because if they are a child of God, you're a child of God, you're brother and sister. And I realize sometimes we can't get along, but you know what? We shouldn't hate them. We ought to pray for them. God says we're to pray for them and they despitefully use us and abuse us. We're to lift them up in prayer. We're not to hold resentment, hatred, bitterness in our hearts. No, we need to make sure that our hearts are clean so that we'll stand before God with a clean heart that he's able to fill with his love and mercy and grace and power and go out and share that with somebody else. We are to be ambassadors. Be an ambassador for the Lord. Walk in the light of Christ and pray for others to walk in the light of Christ. Be Christ-like. Have compassion like he did. Standing there looking at those who would crucify him and pleading for them to be saved. And the fourth thing I have for you is this repent. Repent. Repent daily. Listen, our life, I want you to understand this. Look up and listen to me. Our life is to be a lifetime of repentance. It's not just one time I got saved, I repented when I got saved, so I'm good now. No, every day ought to be a day of repentance. Every single day we live, we ought to run from the darkness and run to the light. Every single day because the darkness does not care. The darkness does not care how many days you've repented to God of your sins in the past. The darkness will keep coming after you. The darkness is outside that door. The darkness will meet you when you get to this door. The darkness will meet you when you when you was friends. Your darkness, the darkness is going to meet you no matter where you go. When you go to work, it will meet you. The darkness is everywhere. You have to run from it and run to the light. When the darkness shows up, turn to the light and say, Lord, help me. When the darkness trips you up, get up and say, Father, forgive me. Help me. All the way. Fight sin. Fight it. Fight it with everything in you. And that means with God's power. I don't mean your own strength. You fight it with God's power and you pursue holiness daily. That's how you make simple. It's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to remember. We just have to do it. And all of that comes back to us. Verse 49. I have not spoken of myself, but the Father has sent me. This is what God 
This is what God the Father said. Listen to what he said. He gave me a command. Jesus was saying to those people, this is the Father's command. He claimed the Father. And he's saying, I came giving his word. You reject me, you're rejecting me. And I say that to every single person out there under the sound of my voice who thinks they are following God to reject Jesus Christ. You are a fool. You are going to burn in hell if you reject Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because he is the Bible of your sin. And you are shooting yourself right on the foot spiritually. God gave a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. If you want everlasting life, you have to come to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his shed blood. I used to give the illustration all the time. When he says believe on him, it doesn't mean to give little assent to the fact that he came and, and lived and died. It means to believe, depend, and rely. I used to stand up on top of the chair and say, I am, I am believing on the chair to keep me from falling. One thing to look at it and say, I know that's a chair. You can know it's a chair. You can know it has four legs and a back and a seat. And it won't do a thing for you to hold you up off the ground. You have to put your weight on it. Always. I've stood on a chair so many times. I've sat on a chair and said, see, I'm trusting it completely, 100% holy, and I'm believing on it to keep me off the ground. And the very same thing when it comes to our sins. Our sins have a destined or one-way ticket to, to everlasting punishment in hell. And the only way we're ever going to be kept from that place, and the only way we're ever going to be saved from our sin is to put our faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood upon Calvary, his death upon the cross. That's what did it for us. That's what did it for me, and that's what will do it for you. He's calling you to repent. He's calling you to believe the gospel. As I said this, as I started, this is the final word. And I gave you some quotes of some lost men who died without Jesus Christ. And their last words But I want to give you some other words. <clears throat> I want to give you the word of Jesus. And then I want to give you the word of Paul. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, he said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, only true God, true God and Jesus Christ. That's why he thought. Just to know God won't do it. you got to know the Son. And then the Son is eternal life. Again, I want to share the, I want to share the last words of one other. One who knew victory. This is what it sounds. Instead of, instead of I'm on my way to hell. Instead of save my soul if I have a soul, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. For I'm now ready to tell in the time of my departure, not my death, but my departure, is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my I have kept the faith. Henceforth, 
there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is given. So how do I get there? Come to the life you believe on. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Apostle Paul said, "And thy house, where salvation comes in, there should be more salvation." Because a man doesn't, a man's not. When he got saved, the Philippian jailer got saved. His wife got saved. His children got saved. Why? Because that salvation was not something he put a lid on and stuck on the back hall floor of the shelf. He brought it out to his wife and his children, and the whole house got saved. You and I are not, uh, I'm talking to believers, you and I are not saved just by ourselves. We're saved so that others may be. Amen. And that's the final word. I hope and pray you believe. Father in heaven, Lord, I come, come to you now, Lord, on behalf of those who have heard the word of God. My prayer and my hope and my desire is that lost people come to Jesus and be saved. That they believe that his shed blood is enough to pay the debt for their sins. Lord, I know that I'm nothing. I know that you're all in all, and I know you're able to save souls. I can't do a thing to save them. All I can do is tell them. So I pray, Holy Ghost of God, you draw them now to the the point of of conviction and conversion. I pray, Lord, that they miss out on hell forevermore and no life everlasting and not be drugged to hell because of their sin. Lord, they can have life everlasting. Lord, I pray for them that they come and they bow before you in prayer. They cry out to Jesus and ask for Life. Ask for the salvation of our soul, believing that He can pay the price, that He has paid the price, and that He can save them. Lord, I thank you, and I pray for all of us that are believers that know that You are our God and our King. Jesus is our Savior. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would turn from our worldly ways, that we would live a life of daily repentance, and we would seek to be closer to You. We would be the vessels you called us to be, the ambassadors of Christ. We are to herald the message of the gospel. Lord, even if they won't hear it, we're still to preach it. We're still to, still to tell it. After Christ is done, we'll give you the glory of the praise for it. And we thank